So you have a tendency and your love overlanding. You had plans to do it big on the trace and some super glamping. One idea, steep news and reviews, a podcast the first rate and here just for you. You don't have to think about it. Join us and be about it. Something interesting we want to hear about it. Come on, let's talk about it. Welcome to Waypoint Overlands Random Waypoints Podcast. Sponsored by Midland. Communication for every adventure. The industry leader in radio communication technology and innovation for over 50 years. Sponsored by MyMedic. Sponsored by Tembo Tusk. Sponsored by Shower Pouch. Sponsored by DeMoss Collective. Mission built and made for mobility. Sponsored by Brute Trek. Always remember, the opinion you follow should be your own. Just consider the things stated here to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Hi, I'm Phil from Waypoint Overland, and you're listening to Random Waypoints. All right, so here we go. Welcome to another episode of the Random Waypoints podcast. We'll be doing an episode every week. So like, share, and subscribe. Hit the notification bell to make sure you don't miss an episode. This week, I'm in Palmer in Alaska, and... My co-host, Michael Ladden from Drive the Globe, is all the way in Gloucester, Massachusetts. What's up, Mike? Oh, what's going on, Phil? It's a beautiful day here on the East Coast, and I'm imagining it's just as beautiful up there in Alaska. It is cloudy, it's raining, and it's cold, (laughs) but I love it. I love it. Very nice. It could be worse, but it's a whole lot better. That's right. So we agreed we were going to talk about Baja and security. Appropriately, you have on the right shirt. I see your Baja shirt. Where'd you get that from? Baja Moto Event Tours. It's a uh, friend of mine that owns a motorcycle uh, tour company down in Cabo San Lucas. Okay, so... Does he cater to like, are these sport bikes? Are these adventure bikes? What, what, what What's uh, going it's on? Mostly it's, it's adventure bikes because most of the Baja is, a lot of people don't know this, most of Baja is dirt roads. Um, there's very few paved roads other than the Trans Peninsula Highway, uh, Route 5 that comes down out of Yuma, Arizona, and a couple other ones. But most of the roads down there are uh, pay, unpaved. So it's uh, it is awesome riding for adventure bikes and those that like to get off off pavement. So is this the type of business where um, I can leave my bike at home? I come there and he he has one like already set up for me to go on my yep. adventure. OK. Yep. Or or you don't have a motorcycle or, or uh, yeah, you don't want to bring your bike down there. You can uh, go to him and uh, he'll do like. Uh, they'll do tours as well. So they'll guide you. And then, uh, you go out for, you know, three day, five day, seven day, and, you know, visit all the the interesting sites. And, uh, you know, usually, uh, some of it's camping and some of it is, uh, you know, uh, lodging, uh, included where you stay and, you know, have meals and whatever. So, uh, it's a pretty good group. 
that goes that out sound, there. That sounds really interesting. Not for me personally, but I can see a solo traveler or someone just not comfortable crossing the border, uh, having everything already set up for them, that being yep. a, a perfect thing. Uh, a lot of people, especially when it comes to going to Mexico or Baja, taking the Pan Am Trail, they seem to be more concerned about their security than anything else. The, the main two topics I hear people talk about is, I hope I can make it across the border. I hope they let me in. And the other one is um, a lot of stereotypes uh, and a lot of fears, unnecessary fears about crossing the border uh, regarding their security. Well, what let's you talk about that because Mexico is obviously one of two countries that border the United States. So the easiest two countries for Americans to visit is Canada uh, which you're right next to and about to go to, and Mexico, which is on our southern border. So um, generally speaking, when we talk about security, we're talking about the south of the border. <laughs> Very rarely are we talking about Canada. And um, I, uh, you know, spent uh, half a year down there last season. And uh, I have got a number of friends that are traveling right now, uh, both in Baja Peninsula and on mainland Mexico. And a few of them have been uh, now south of mainland Mexico into uh, Central American countries. So I'm in contact with a lot of people that are down there, uh, both in overland rigs, van uh, setups, and on motorcycles. So let's do something unusual for this podcast when me and you are doing it together. Let's do this in order. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, say it isn't so. <laughs> so <laughs> let's start. Let let let's take. We're going to take security and go from beginning to end. Or we're going to try. We'll end up talking about birds or something before we finish. Yeah, right. but, um, and burgers, probably burgers, burgers or tacos or something. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, like I said, the the first big issue that most people I hear talking about is uh, either having a uh, worries, a discomfort, or even a fear of crossing the border, whether it be them not having everything necessary or they, they, they feel like, uh, oh, I'm a gringo. They're going to uh, attack me as soon as I cross the border or whatever. So let's start with the border crossing. Walk us through a border crossing into Mexico, at least your experiences. So, okay, there's a couple components to crossing the border into Mexico. And um, no matter where you are crossing, uh, it doesn't vary all that much. And it, on a, on a, let's go on the positive and the negative side. On the negative, let's start with the negative. On the negative side, most of what you hear about bad stuff in Mexico particularly the stuff that concerns us people, whether it's gringos, Americans, whatever you want to call us, non-Mexicans, non happens around the border. So I would say that the most unsafe parts of uh, Mexico, particularly if we're going to talk about Baja for sure, uh, but even Mexico, is, is along the U.S. border, right? So that's where most of the, the incidences that you're going to hear about in the news occur. Um, and that is where a lot of 
I'll call it drug trafficking cartel stuff, because remember, and smuggling is coming into the United States, right? That that's why that that's the problem. So put that aside for a second. Um, the actual crossing of the border itself is actually quite easy. Um, you know, whether you're going, so I've crossed the border last year, as an example, I've crossed the border at three different locations, uh, in two modes of, uh, well, actually in three modes of transport, I flew in, I walked in and I driven in. So I've done all of the above walking is simple. You walk across the border and you wave to the guy and you know, hola, and that's it. They didn't look at my passport. They didn't check my bag. They, they didn't do anything. <laughs> Tijuana, baby. Uh, what's that? <laughs> I, I'm just thinking about all the times I've walked over to Tijuana. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it really don't. Mexico is, is not like the United States coming in where we have a lot of security. So going there, quite simple. Uh, flying in a little bit different. Obviously, you fly in. You've got to have a passport. Um, to, to fly in, you got to have a passport. You got to fill out your tourist uh, card. Um, and generally speaking, you'll be granted a six month visa uh, just by simply writing in. I'm going to Mexico. I want to do this. You get six months. That's your tourist visa. Uh, for my case, for most of you guys out there that are interested in going overlanding there and driving in with your vehicle, whether it's a motorcycle or a truck, uh, is two ways to go in uh, to Mexico. If you're going to Baja, it does, you do not require uh, importation of your vehicle. So all you really have to do, and the easiest way to cross the border with a vehicle, is to park on the U.S. side, walk across the border, go to the, uh, to the, uh, you know, the facility that, uh, that basically you go get your tourist visa, which is this FHMN card, it's a little card you fill out, whatever it's i forget what i forget what it costs it's really cheap and um that's it you walk back to your car get in your car you drive across the border you wave again uh unlucky they may want to search your vehicle um in my case coming across with the storage stevenson big orange old truck uh, they wanted to search it mostly because they were really interested in what it looked like. And the military guys were like, this is really cool. So I looked at it, talked to me for a little bit. And, you know, that was it. I went on, on my way. But all I needed was the, uh, the the tourist card, which, by the way, they didn't look at that either. Uh, nobody looked at that. But you have to have it. Uh, you should have it. You also need vehicle insurance so that you can get online in the United States it's really cheap. Um, you can get it um, for a six month. If you're going down there, let's say for your, if you're going for any longer than a couple of weeks, I would just get uh, it for three or, or six months. It's really cheap. I think I paid like, I don't know, 250 bucks for six months or something on my truck. So you got to have uh, vehicle insurance uh, for Mexico and you got to have your tourist card. That's it. Carry your passport. That's for Baja. If you're going to go to mainland Mexico, you also have to import uh, your vehicle, and um, that requires going in. They usually come out and do a little uh, check of your vehicle, but the, 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 the short of it is, is that they don't want you being, bringing old uh, crappy vehicles down there to sell and not bring back. So you got to put it, essentially you're putting a deposit down 
Um, if it's a newer vehicle, I think the deposit was, uh, don't quote me on this, I believe it's 400 bucks. And uh, that you get back when you leave. So when you come out of Mexico, you they refund your money. Up, they just credit your credit card. Um, I did that because I did not know whether I was going to go to mainland. So I did that for my vehicle and my motorcycle. So for two vehicles, um, the motorcycle ironically cost me 400 bucks uh, because it's a 2021. The truck is an RV technically. And that is actually good for 10 years <laughs> and uh, did not cost, I think it was like $42. So it's, it's, it's all over the place what the, the thing is. So I didn't have to put a deposit down on the truck. But that's it. That's all you need. Crossing the border, I, I emphasize it one more time, very easy. It, it, it is not challenging to cross into Mexico. Okay, so... I, I need a little clarification on on everything that you're saying. So they're not gonna take my unbolt my vehicle piece by piece, uh, looking for drugs. Uh, Mexico drugs go northbound. <laughs> they come from the south and they come north. Mexico not that interested. Um, having said that, drugs are extremely illegal in Mexico. Uh, so I would not be walking in there with, uh, you know, my rule of thumb in foreign countries is to obey the law. You know, I mean, there's been some stuff in the news lately and I don't want to get into politics or whatever, but you know, we got a, we've got a basketball player that's going to jail in Russia, uh, because she got caught with, uh, I don't know, what was it marijuana or, or, or whatever, some kind of, the bottom line is, and everybody's all upset about this. I mean, that's not, she's not in America. You got to obey the laws of the country that you're going to. It's just the way it works. Uh, you know, I mean, that's the way it is. So if you can't, you know, whatever, if you can't bring in blue chewing gum, then don't bring in blue chewing gum. Simple. So going into Mexico, no drugs, uh, no uh, weapons, no, 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 no guns. And um, you also have to be kind of careful even with like things like bear spray or mace or any of that stuff. I mean, bottom line is they're not really searching your truck very heavy anyways. So the likelihood that they're going to see anything is pretty low, but I mean, I'm just telling you what the rules are. Uh, you're not supposed to take in fuel. So if you have uh, jerry cans or uh, roto packs, they're not supposed to have any, any fuel in them. Um, yeah, I don't know. They didn't, they did. I had, they didn't look at my, mine. So you know, I would say 90% of the vehicles they don't search anyways. Uh, and mine was one of the ones that did get searched and I didn't care about any of that. So I'm just going to barge in for just a moment to piggyback on what you're saying. Something that I heard from an actual Border Patrol uh, person for the border. I'm, I'm almost verbatim saying what he said. We know who has what crossing the border. And the point that he was making to me is they don't have time to be bothered with you. They know they know what's coming across and who's bringing it across, and they need to be focused on that. And they have yep. a very good idea of whether or not you're one of those people. So if you're not one of those people, you're, go you're going to be all right. <laughs> you're going to be all right. The only way they'll stop you and you suffer from this is that out of curiosity, 
you have some unique vehicle that they want to take a look at, or, or maybe they recognize you from social media, um, and they, they want to meet the man. Other than that, they're working a job that they need to be highly efficient at. They don't have time to mess around with you. So if I hear that you've crossed the border and had some issue, you've probably been a complete butthole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. You, you caused them to stop you because they want to get on to the next. Yeah, and, and people don't realize even at the even at the um, what I would going to call the uh, the non busy border crossings, uh, they're pretty busy. I mean, there's a lot of traffic that comes back and forth between the United States uh, and Mexico. So they're, they're 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 you know they don't have time to dick around with every little thing. I mean, they're they're obviously like you said, particularly northbound coming into America. The Americans, I will tell you, can see and smell and hear everything. So if you think that they don't know what's in your vehicle, uh, wrong answer because they uh, they they X-ray your 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 uh, thing coming through. They can tell how many eggs are in your refrigerator. So right. uh, you're not fooling anybody coming northbound, going southbound. Technology not the same going into Mexico, and quite frankly, they just don't they don't care. They they're happy to have you come down uh, as a tourist and spend money. So not not an issue. And and let me add. Because uh, there's a lot of confusion between vehicle. We're talking about vehicle searching and people, you know, whatever. Border uh, the border crossing is a border crossing, just like any uh, going to Canada. You come across, they could inspect you, they could inspect the vehicle. They may choose to do neither. Um, that's not the same as what they call military checkpoints. So military checkpoints, and that because that, that's hotly talked about in Mexico as well. Um, and I'll tell you, there are five five military checkpoints that I went through between the border of the United States and the southern tip of uh, Baja, which is about 1,100 miles. I got stopped at all of them. Uh, most, and I was traveling with other people, most of them did not get st- stopped, I think maybe at one of them. Uh, my, I was just c- continually getting stopped because, you know, the kids, I call them kids because they're mostly 18-year-old soldiers uh they're just they're just interested in seeing the truck and all of them were friendly nobody busted my butt on anything uh they you know they look around they want to see the microwave oven and go oh look at that you got a refrigerator and nobody cared they, they weren't looking at anything so that's it i want to i want to emphasize this because this is a, you know because a lot of times i feel like people are either anti foreign, anti-Mexico, anti-something, or, you know, oh my God, there's this military and they're going to search me and it's border. It's, this is like, this is like, a, you know, a, you know, a communist state. Um, as I said, five checkpoints going south. I passed through more than five military checkpoints in America when I came out of Baja and went along the Southern Arizona border into New Mexico, I went through six, six U.S. military checkpoints in the United States. So if you think that, you know, somehow this is a Mexican thing, it is not. We have military checkpoints in the United States. So not only the checkpoints. But I know for a fact they have uh, unmarked vehicles all along the roads. Um, 
most of the checkpoints, if you don't know they're there already, you're going to just roll up on it. They have people waiting for you. If you decide to U-turn and, and go back, you're in the States. You're already, you're an American. Sorry. But they'll, they'll, they'll come get you. That Why, why did, what made you turn around? So, um, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So it's kind of ironic. So long and short of it is uh, crossing the border into into Mexico is is really not that challenging. And um, even with a vehicle, it's not that it's not that difficult. You can like I said, you can do insurance online. Um, you know, there's plenty of parking. I, I, I crossed at Mexicali. I, pro, I went by Tecate. I went to San Felipe uh, outside of Yuma um, and Algodonas. And, you know, it, 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 you can park on the American side. You can walk across. You know, I would pick personally, I would pick a border crossing. Uh, and this is more directed if you're heading towards Baja. That is a smaller one. There's, there's I don't know how many border crossings between San Diego and, say, Yuma, Arizona. There's, there's maybe eight or nine of them. Um, I would choose a smaller one. It's just easier. Uh, don't go at nighttime. Don't go late in the day. Uh, cross in the morning because then you you know you're on the other side and you can move away from the border. So, um, like I said before, the it, I call it I don't want to say, use the word dangerous, but the the less desirable part on the Mexican side is probably 30 miles from the border. You know, 30 miles and less. So you know you want to get across and go south. Uh, the only border that I would tell you not to cross at. Uh, and people do it all the time, and I, I've done it before, is Tijuana. And um, that's largely because it's a big city, San Diego, going into Tijuana. Uh, it is a hot button. And the reason we started talking about this today is it's, it's been in the news, uh, ironically, that um, you know the, the Mexican uh, authorities sent in, I don't know, I, I think a 1,000 troopers or something. There's been uprisings, the drug cartel. Um, the new drug cartel there is telling people to stay shelter in place, stay inside. The U.S. Embassy actually told U.S. citizens, I don't know, if I think the border is open, but I had heard for a little while they were talking about even shutting the border down at Tijuana. Um, As of this recording, you know, the, the border is is not uh, closed. You know, I have a, um, a trip in a, uh, at the end of the year to Baja, so I've been monitoring this. Uh, but they, like you said, they definitely are considering it. Yeah. And I wouldn't to tell to people that are planning on going to Baja. My recommendation would be not to go to Tijuana. Um, it's a, it's the busiest border crossing in the world. Um, I, I and just, there's nothing special not about Tijuana. Nothing special about Tijuana. In fact, there's nothing special between Tijuana and Ensenada. Uh, on the West Coast going down Baja, that is primarily a um, agricultural zone where they grow <laughs> most of our food. Uh, and it's just not it's not that scenic and there's, and there's a heavier population there. And yes, there are more issues in that area. I would cross, I would drive out of San Diego and head east cross at Tecate or even cross by the California, Arizona border. And then you could take route five down, which is a beautiful drive in Baja. And then route five eventually intersects with the trans peninsula highway route one going down South. So you avoid all of that mess. Basically if you cross in Yuma and, or, or, and, or between Mexicali, 
and go 30 miles in, that's it. You ain't not even see, forget about being threatened by drug cartels or getting your head chopped off or all this other nonsense that you hear. You're not even going to see people. You're not even going to see people. So, you know, you're, you're pretty safe. Right now, I want to make this uh, 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 extra little learning moment. I'm not I'm not saying too much. I'm not contributing too much. I'm letting you do all the talking because you were just there. That's number one. Uh, two, if people aren't aware of it, you're an instructor at all the Overland Expos. And one of the topics that you you teach is uh, about going to Baja. So I know you're going to be humble about it and everything, but you're the expert on this. And you're not only the expert, but you're the expert with the most current information about this. Um, anything that I would contribute would be uh, post-COVID, and it wouldn't be driving a vehicle over the border. So I'm not going to huff and puff and pretend like I know something that I don't, which uh, I hear all over social media, people uh, contributing their information and uh, their ideas with no knowledge. Uh, so, and I want to reiterate, uh, Michael here from Drive the Globe just recently came back in 2022 from Baja, and he's actually an expert professional instructor at uh, Overland Expo, and one of the subjects that he teaches is about Baja. So I'm sure you're going to get some valuable information from him on this podcast. But I would urge you, if um, you are planning to take a trip, to go to Overland Expo and take his class. Uh, it's one of the most popular classes amongst the teachers and instructors. And it's for a couple of reasons. One, because it's a fun class. But more importantly, he knows what he's talking about. Um, so. and, and add on to that, Phil, I mean, you know, the, the, your least likely good source of information uh, about Baja or Mexico in general is going to be CNN or Fox News, <laughs> you know. So, so when you, what you hear in the news is, you know, they're trying to sell ads, you know, so, the, you know, so, so Agenda that, that is not a good source. That's right. That's right. Um, but there's great resources on Facebook. There's great resources, uh, Baja Bound. Um, there, there's a bunch of uh, groups um, that you can follow uh, on social media online about, you know, trip that people are doing. Baja is one of the most traveled destinations for overlanders and van lifers and nomads, particularly from America. Uh, and Mexico mainland is very well traveled as well. So it isn't just Baja. Um, you know, I've got a couple of friends right now, like I, I think I mentioned, that are in uh, mainland Mexico. Have been, virtually have been to just about every uh, state in Mexico. And um, uh, although mainland is very different from Baja, I'm not going to I'm not going to say that it is not. Baja is almost like it, it is almost like uh, a. a, a uh, I don't know. It's almost like a different country from Mexico from a standpoint of you have to realize the two states in Mexico 
are the like the least populous states in all of Mexico out of all the I, I forget how many states are so 26 maybe. Um, so it's just very unpopulated. They were the last two states to join the union, if you will, in Mexico. Um, very similar to say like going to Yukon or you know any uh, in, in of the territories up north or whatever in Canada. They're, they're just out there. So, um, you know, by and large, I'm not going to say it does not exist, but the drug trafficking, Baja doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, it's a peninsula that goes down to nowhere. It's not where the drugs are coming from. They're coming from Central America. They're coming up. They're coming from, uh, you know, some of the mainland provinces. It's just so, you know, it's just it yeah. makes not no sense. Not there. Yeah, it's just not it's not geographically it doesn't make sense. I'm not suggesting if, if you were anybody, coming that route, it would. I think the Coast Guard would be your concern. It would be there, you'd be more worried about it uh, coming in through boats or submarine or some raft or something like that. Correct. Yeah. And like anywhere else, I'm not suggesting that nothing happens. And I'm not suggesting that you cannot run into difficulties in places because you can. Um, but from my experience, I will tell you that you are far safer just about anywhere in Baja than you are in New York City or Chicago or, you know, any kind of major metropolitan area in the United States. So, you know, it's just it's even in cities, Baja, uh, Cabo San Lucas, uh, La Paz, um, uh, you know, San Jose, they're they're not cities like. America. I mean, they're much smaller. Yes. Is there crime? Sure. There's crime anywhere. There's humans. I mean, it's just the way it is. But uh, having traveled to countries all over the world, um, I found Mexico in particular, it gets a bad reputation primarily because it's our neighbor. Um, it's our bordering neighbor. And, you know, obviously there's a big cultural difference and there's an economic difference between America and Mexico and Mexico for those of you out there that don't know this, is it is it is what they call a neutral country, which is also rare. And America has some issues with that because they're on our border. But Mexico is neutral, like more, even more neutral than Switzerland. Um, Switzerland, as an example, got involved in this in Russian conflict right now. Um, and then they joined NATO. That's right. Where Mexico is not. Mexico still buys oil from Russia, it, uh, it, you know, it, it transacts with Venezuela, it, it transacts with Cuba, it, it, it is a neutral country, it's it stayed neutral out of everything. Um, I mean, it, 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 if you think about it, they, they have some reasons to do that, because they know that they're essentially, no matter what they do, are protected by the United States, uh, because the United States is not going to let anybody take over Mexico, uh, being that it's our poorer country. So they kind of know secretly that we're kind of protecting them so they can kind of go and do whatever they want to do. And uh, it's interesting. But right. from a standpoint of like one of the one of the positives about being neutral is that uh, things are cheap, you know, and that's an advantage. A lot of people. And so one of the reasons why it's a great destination to go food, fuel, lodging. I mean, everything I can mention is is infinitely less expensive than it is pretty much anywhere that you're going to find, certainly in the United States, but even compared to many other countries. I agree. Um, you shouldn't have brought up food. Now I want to talk about food. I told you we were going to divert. I knew it. 
Yeah, see, we were. I we just want people across the border. <laughs> now we're going to talk about eating food. I just wanted to briefly mention because there's so many wrong stereotypes and misconceptions about Mexico. And one of them is the food. Most people don't realize that they've only eaten maybe 3% of what's on the menu in Mexico. It goes way beyond what you're getting at your local Mexican can shop, uh, shop, especially the seafood. Most people don't even consider seafood when they think about Mexican food. Um, it's one and, of and, their largest staples is 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 seafood. And they make some exquisite food. Yeah. Mexican food in general is varied, just like it you would find in any other country. Um, it is, from my experience, it's actually in my top three favorite foods, uh, uh, you know, national national foods, I would say. Mexico, Mexican is in the, my top three. Um, whether, whether you're talking about seafood or you're talking about, by the way, it's different regions have different food. Uh, so even like, you know, tacos, an example, in Baja are flour, mainland, corn. There's, there's differences, you know, when you travel around Mexico, but um, the food is amazing. And, and two of the things that I've had in Mexico that are my favorite, I think, in the world, either one of which I would consider to be Mexican, apple pie and pizza. I have had the best pizza and the best apple pie in Mexico. And if you come visit me, I'll show you where you can do that. So I want you to explain both. I know and understand the pizza one. But you got to explain the apple pie one. I, I'm yeah, totally ignorant to this one. But explain both of them for the audience. It shocked me because apple pie is, I mean, come on, that's got to be an American staple, right? And uh, so one of, the, one of the interesting things about Mexico is that, you know, when we talk about, particularly here in America, we talk about getting fresh produce and fresh veg veggies and fruits. And uh, we talk a lot about organic. We talk about, you know, healthy, all this stuff. As soon as you leave America, by and large, and Mexico included, much of the food, that's just the way it is. It's the way it is everywhere. You know, America, we're all about GMOs and, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> additives and box stuff and all this stuff. Down in Mexico, I ate better than I eat ever in the United States, honestly. I was getting fresh vegetables, fresh fruit, you know, fresh baked things, and apple pie being one of them. So apples. So they're getting, you know, these are all, everything's organic, right? Because they don't, they're not using the pesticides. They're not using modified stuff that we have here in the States. It's all coming out of local ranchers' gardens, and, and they're getting the apples, and they're, and they're making this pie crust. It was amazing. And I was just like, wow. And, you know, and that's the other thing is you can find these little hole in the walls and little local things and meet people that are, are, are running businesses essentially out of their homes, um, making food. And it's, uh, you know, you know, I, I sometimes drive around and I, you know, I'd go out on my motorcycle and I'll just go down the road and go come through some village. And I see like what probably would be considered to be, and this is how I rate places. Like, it, does that look like the worst place that you've ever seen and you're afraid to go into? I'm going there because that's always the 
best hole in the wall food, I tell you, that's where you get the best stuff. You know, you're not getting it at some tourist looking thing. If it's got t-shirts and, uh, you know, like uh, mugs or something hanging up that, you know, you can buy, that's probably not where the best food is. So this stimulated a thought that I've, I've had forever, and I'm confident you'll agree with me on this. One of the funniest things about farmers markets here in America, the way they sell the idea of farmers markets. I have a farmers market like a couple of minutes away from from my house that everybody likes to on a Saturday or Sunday, they go to the farmers market and they buy all of these fruits and vegetables and meats for the week or a couple of weeks. And that is totally unusual for farmers markets or markets everywhere else in the world. That is a unique thing to America that we go to a farmer's market supposedly to get this fresh stuff and we store up for like a week, two weeks at a time. You go to Mexico. One one of the things you'll notice if you ever go to somebody's house is they have a small refrigerator if they have one, uh, depending upon where they live. And it's, it's just a normal thing. Every two or three days you go to the market to go get vegetables and meat or whatever. And we're talking about Mexico, but gen- but basically outside of America, that is the case everywhere you go. People go everywhere. and get groceries every two or three days, and it's very fresh. Two reasons: one, they don't have the storage. Most you know, most people do not have refri- refrigerators around the world are more in line with what I would have here in my truck. Um, you know, they're they're little. You know, they're not big, grand American things. So that's one thing. Two, they don't have all the preservatives and things. This stuff doesn't last that long. So because it, it's natural. And, you know, I noticed even in Mexico. Yeah, exactly. You, you are, are generally I would go on my motorcycle. People ask, well, is a motorcycle great for grocery shopping? Because how do you fit all the stuff in there? <laughs> well, it's easy because you go four times a week because that's what everybody does. You know, and even where I was camped, um, you know, you get fresh produce delivery coming in and, you know, the, the ranchers making uh, dinners for us and whatever. You're, you're getting stuff constantly. It's not a it's not a, it's not like, you know, good luck going to a little village anywhere in Baja is a good example of this and expect that you're going to get some kind of frozen item. <laughs> nobody, nobody, no, no, no store even has a freezer. You're not getting anything frozen. Not happening. You know, it's few and far between. You got to go to uh, you've got Walmart or Soriano's or, or one of the big chain things that are in, you know, Campo San Lucas's example to find a frozen food section. And even then, I mean, it's not anything like you would find at any local food, uh, you know, provider here in the United States. For so that reason, this is my opinion. I want to hear yours. Uh, w- once I go down to Mexico later this year. One of the barometers that I'm going to use as to whether I'm in the right place or not is how easy it is for me to get American food or frozen food or something like that. That means I, I, I've gotten too close to civilization. I need to get away from here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I laugh sometimes, you know, I, even I'm, I'm working on a, uh, you know, a Baja Divide. I'm riding my bike in January. I, we talked about this at the last podcast, but I'm basically doing a 1700 mile trip. Uh, and it was running because I'm researching. It has all these GPS coordinates of places that you can stop to resupply. And I, and I had to laugh because a few of them I know 
Uh, and it was said, you know, this village, you no, know, not really great supplies, hard to get, you know, groceries, uh, blah, blah, blah. And I go, oh, really? Wow. That was one of the, I was like, that's a great place to get groceries. And I'm thinking, because they're looking at this from an American viewpoint where you can't walk into a, what I'm going to call whitewashed, sterile environment where you got coolers here and freezers here and this and that, and everything comes in a box. No, no. If you expect that, no. Uh, what you're what you're looking for is oftentimes, you know, I'm not going to call them farmers markets, but you know, they're in they're outside, they're in little 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 you know stands, and you and yeah, do you have to buy your sweet potatoes here and your lettuce over there and your you know, uh, chicken over there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I lived that life for, for months on end where I would go into my local little village and the joke was you got to go to five grocery stores. Well, I mean, they're not really grocery stores, they're little market things, but you really had to go to all five to get what you needed. It's just the way it is. It's not all tightly wrapped up and organized. But when you really dissect it, if, if I wanted to, fry some chicken or you if you were going to fry some chicken or the people listening if you were going to fry some chicken and you wanted to have the best chicken that you ever had do you want to go to the store with all the food or do you want to go to the chicken lady that does nothing but chicken i want to go to the chicken lady you know what i mean yep now i went to the apple pie woman and I yes. went to the guy, you know, about, that's about 26 villages away. It took me an hour and 45 minutes to get to that makes the pizza because that's the pizza place, you know, because, you know, that, that, that these are where you get your items. Right. And I would go every every week. I would go and get my um, I would get my my uh, tortillas at a certain place because I know that those are the guys that make the best tortillas. You don't get those at the other store over there. You know, that's no, that's not their expertise. But at the end of the day, you end up getting high quality stuff, organic, naturally. You're eating healthy and you're paying like pennies on the dollar. Right. What you're going to pay at Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or something, you know. <laughs> right. Crazy. So when I post this video. It's going to read something like um, something to do with border crossings and security in Canada, Mexico, blah, blah, something like that. Right. And people are going to watch this. And then 15 minutes in, we spent a lot of time talking about food and they're going to be like, what what's going on? I, I wanted to learn about. I'm bringing this full circle. So basically what we we've described is a situation where Mexico is doing something better than we're doing it in America. Would you agree on that part? As far as the, the food? And by the way, fill in the, fill in the blanks. It's not just Mexico. It's Uganda and Kenya and, you know, Thailand. And I, I mean, I could go on and on. I a hundred percent agree. So what I'm getting to is, a lot of the security problems that I have heard from Americans, mostly entering into Mexico, but other places like the places you name, when there's been some kind of conflict, some kind of issue or whatever, it has been Americans' arrogance 
that everything we do, everything we say, everything we are is vastly superior. And so my point is, this is just one thing, food, one of the most basic necessities, and they got us beat. So quit going into other countries. You can think all the great things you want to think, but keep them to yourself. Most of the issues that I find people have security-wise are things that they inflicted on themselves with a show of their arrogance. So I just wanted to say that. It's good. Yeah, anytime it's outside your comfort zone, that's where it comes up. So so Americans, by and large, uh, I'm going to call, the best word I can use for Americans is a sterilized culture. Everything is very sterile, whether it's food or, you know, God, even talking about, you know, death or sickness or whatever, we, we sterilize everything over. And um, so when we, when, typically when America, when I see Americans traveling, oftentimes they'll go, and some of the reports you're going to get at an let, let, let's cut. Let, let me give you an example. A lot of Americans go to Mexico. They go to Cancun. I'm just picking Cancun. I've been there. Cancun, the reason they go there is cheap, all-inclusive usually, uh, and they feel like it's safe because why? Because it's like America because they're inside a little sterilized box. And, oh, you know what? We can get hamburgers like we have at home. And, look, they sell Coca-Cola. And, you know, you know my brand of blah, 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 I can get here. And it's in this little box. And, you know, the guy at the front desk talks to me in English. And, you know, all these things are – so all of a sudden, you, all your and, – and, and the bed is like it's, – it's like the same bed I got at home. And my shower is the same, you know, all these things. So what is all this talk about? So what are you trying to do? You're trying to go visit a place. It's like home. Maybe you could stay home. So, you know, not to sound like an ass here, but like this is, you know, and, and, and so as soon as it varies from that, oftentimes a lot of people is when they, like I think you said, they either show their arrogance or their, I'll call it their, you know, the, the mean bad side. The ugly, the ugly American side and go, oh, this is not acceptable. You know, this doesn't taste like this is crappy. This is beef is no good. This doesn't taste like American hamburger from the Midwest. Well, it, it's not. So, you know, but that's probably a terrible choice of what you should be ordering anyways. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know so, uh, I, you know, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to go down this road too far. But like there is a significant difference in my mind between travelers and tourists and hopefully the people that are listening to our podcast are more focused on the traveling side of things uh and because that's the goal in you know if i had to define that word overlanding that i repeatedly every podcast say i don't like that word but if i had to define overlanding overlanding is the desire to go out and explore on your own wheels and see different things and experience different stuff and, it, you know, and that's not sterilized and that's not in a box because we're not you're not driving. Your, the idea is not to drive your overlander to the Cancun resort, go through the gate, close the door behind you. Sit there, right? I mean, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> Do you know anybody who's done that? <laughs> I bet somebody's <laughs> done that before. <laughs> I'm not going to mention it here. <laughs> oh, OK. We'll talk about that. Uh, so I, right. what I'm really trying to emphasize is, one, we always think we're on the higher ground. 
uh, in an in a argument or a discussion or a debate. And a lot of times we're not. And nope. after all is said and done, in line with this conversation about security when you're across borders, you're not home. Act like you're not home. Act like you're at someone else's house. Show respect and you'll get respect. I promise yes, you. You are, a, you are a guest and they are genuinely most of the time very happy to see you because you're different. They're interested in your culture. Um, you can give them ideas and they and, and obviously you're economically helping them. So these are all qualities that we can bring to the table that are are, are a positive thing so you gotta you just gotta you gotta remain in positivity you try to stay positive and and that's i think the key to the whole thing is is that you gotta you gotta interact it's like social media right social media is only social if it goes both directions so you know if i just post stuff and never look at anybody else's stuff and don't like anybody else that's not social media. That's that's one sided. And it's the <laughs> same thing when you're traveling and going to different cultures. It's sharing. I, I I don't know why you would bother to book a trip and spend all that money, go to a place and know nothing about it when you get back home. All well, you so, know about okay. <laughs> let's defend, let me defend the tourists for a second. My wife's so, a tourist, so I I can't go too deep. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, let's defend it. So occasionally I like to, 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 to chill, right? Don't want to think, don't, you know, whatever. So, so if I fly on an airplane and I fly to Cancun and I, my goal is to spend a week of vegetable time, relaxing on the beach, having a guy bring me my daiquiri um, and never, not, don't, not leaving the gate because I, you know, then I've got to, deal with stuff that's okay there's nothing wrong with that that's that's a vacation and that's fine and i'm okay with that and i've done that i'm 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 okay with that i like having time like that just i would not do this and so all my only down thing on the tourist thing would be don't come back and tell everybody that you went to mexico because <laughs> you right. didn't you went to a beach resort and had vacation and relax and had a great time in blah, blah, blah club in Cancun. You can say that, but don't start flying around that you went to Mexico and you know how it is. Cause you didn't. I, I think there's a similarity in McDonald's and tourists. There are a lot of people that know that eating at McDonald's is not the best choice but they know that they're going to get the exact same thing no matter what McDonald's they go to. They're not looking for, they're not a foodie. They're not looking to, to try things and experience new things and new tastes. I, I, I want to buy this. I know how it's going to taste. I know what I'm going to get. And what you're talking about, the person that, that says, yeah, I've been to Mexico. Well, no, you, you know what, hotels look like you know what resorts look like you're you're getting the tourist is getting the same experience basically everywhere they go even if, though they're going to different countries or whatever i've done mm -hmm. it i do it and i'm gonna do it again so yeah, uh, i'm just like you i'm not i'm not knocking it 
but understand what you're actually doing. You're you're not you're not a you have not experienced that country. You have experienced a hotel or a resort or a theme park or whatever it is you went to. Uh, something very curated, and it's curated with a American bias to it usually. So we're on the same page. And so the reason that McDonald's is so successful. Is the most successful restaurant probably in all the world is because they're consistent. Consistent. I don't care where you go. That that McNugget, whatever uh, you know, burger is going to be exactly the same. That's what makes it great. And And let me just many many very high end restaurants have tried to be consistent, and they're not. You know, having run restaurants before, I could tell you it's very difficult to be consistent. Um, it, it's hard. And I just um, want to. And, quali- and more harder. Yeah. I just want to qualify your statement because I know somebody is going to jump on what you said and not take what you meant. Because when you go to other countries, they have other dietary concerns. They have different rules about food and preparation. And you'll go to other countries and eat at a McDonald's and there'll be slightly differences in the meal. We understand that. So take the lesson that he's teaching you instead of because I, I can picture somebody down in the comments. Yeah, when you go to Japan, the it's not the same. McDonald's. We get all of that. But you got the point, right? OK, I just wanted to say that. Because I, I know somebody. Well, you, gonna... you say that. Well, I, I, I ate a Kentucky Fried Chicken a number of times when I was in Cairo, and mm-hmm. uh, they had the best hamburgers and the best uh, fruit salad. And those are probably two things you're not thinking that they, I don't. I, I'm not. I don't even think they have them in America there. But um, but but it's different, like you said, different areas. But very consistent. You know what you're going to get into. But if you if you go to any McDonald's in Cairo, it's going to be the same experience. That's right. Um, So we talked about one part of security being how you carry yourself, how you act, what kind of person you are, uh, what kind of energy you're giving off to others. So let's just talk about like we said, no matter where you go, there's going to be some crime. So you could be the most well-behaved tourist or traveler in the world and issues come upon you. So how do you handle those things? What What are the most common things that you hear about, like with Baja, as far as being a security issue and, and overcoming it? Number one piece of advice I would give to anybody about anywhere, go with your gut. Your gut is usually the best judge of anything that you can go with. If it doesn't feel great, it probably isn't great. So, you know, words of advice, you don't go out at night, you don't go in strange areas. I mean, I could be describing Chicago, right? Um, You you, you go where you're comfortable, you go where you feel better. If possible, go with people that you know, go in a group. you know, these are all things that I would say, you know, and m- most of this time it pertains to places that are more populated, um, obviously less populated places, you know, the, le- le- the less human interaction you have generally, the safer it is. I mean, I hate to say it that way. Um, you know, be smart. Uh, don't 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 be flashy. I tell people when I travel like, you don't know, like I mean, I-, I wear my Apple watch. Right. 
I, I, I'm big into watches. I love watches. I got a watch collection. I don't take them. I don't take them. Uh, they're not in my truck. Like I leave them, you know, I don't take them with me because I just, I wouldn't go out with it. It's too flashy. Um, you know, just be, be smart, you know, or just, and always, always try to obey the, you know, people. So Mexico, number one thing people you hear about cops bribing you, right. Pulling you over for doing stuff. Well, I got news for you. I mean, most of the time you are doing stuff because, uh, you know, it's just like if I got if I'm driving around with a Montana license plate and I'm in Massachusetts, the likelihood that I'm getting pulled over for blowing a stop sign is higher than if I had a local license plate. Same kind of thing happens in, in Baja. So, you know, a good example of Mexican um, infrastructure, it's not really the same as ours. You know, you'll be driving along, you come to a weird intersection and you, and you look around. Well, the stop sign is like, you know, I don't know, it, you know. 200 feet that way behind a bush you know so it's weird where they put stuff and uh, i tell people it's like so i always come to a stop i'm not even sure there's a stop sign i'm stopped and i look okay but the, the reality is is yeah so if they're trying to raise extra money for the police force and they see a gringo you know, blow through that. Yeah, they're going to pull you over. So is that a bribe? Eh, not really, because you, you, you committed it. Um, you know, I don't pay bribes. I recommend that. Having traveled through Africa, I will tell you that it's a slippery slope. And I don't recommend it. I, I, I tell people there's definitely different rules of thought on this. I prefer not to do that. So if a cop pulled me over, um, and said, you know, I want $200, whatever, 200, whatever it is. Um, you know, I would be, you know, inclined to go with the, you know, I'll pay that at the, uh, at the police station. Let's go there. And if they're on the, the, the crooked side, they're obviously, they're not going to get money if you go to the police station, uh, and you quickly, you know, I had this happen to me, not, I actually had this happen to me in Honduras, uh, where they were like, you know, it's 200, whatever's. And I go, well, you know, let's go to the police station. And the guy goes, okay, how about 50 right here? He's like, okay, well, now we're gonna, as soon as we start bargaining, uh, clearly this is not on the real, you know? Right. So, um, that's when you kind of like, you know, so I really am not a fan of giving out money because it, it's just going to lead them to be successful. And then, you know, next thing Phil's driving through and they're going to go after him because they got Mike. So, uh, you know, not a good precedent to set. You know, uh, you know, worst case, I'd give them a, you know, a, a cookie or a, a soda or something. And, you know, but eventually they're going to go for the easy targets. Right. So if you're a hard target, they're going to give up. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, corruption is a thing in Mexico. It's a thing. It's a thing outside anywhere that has an economic, uh, you know, a lower economic standard. Corruption potentially is an issue. And I want to look at it from another angle, too. Uh, after all is said and done, whether they, uh, you know, fulfill those laws or not, it's illegal for officers to accept bribes and it's illegal for you to pay bribes. So right. after all is said and done, you're making a decision to break the law and that could backfire on you in the end. You could actually end up in jail. I I've never heard of it happening that way. But the bottom line is you're making a decision to pay a bribe to an officer. 
Yep. So that could really backfire on you. And we were um, mentioning before about uh, the basketball player over in Russia. After all is said and done, you committed a crime. So you couldn't take the, the chance on going to jail because you did do something. Uh, and as Americans, we, we can all sit here and say, well, that crime does not fit that punishment. The punishment was nine years and the crime doesn't fit it. Well, yeah, in 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 Massachusetts, where I'm sitting, you're right. I mean, it's it's legal here. So, of course not. But, uh, you know, well, not well, judge, not my opinion. I, I, I didn't write. It's not my country. That's what they did. And we can we can badmouth Russia all we want. And hell, you know, they're they got problems for sure. But. You know, choices make choices. I, I mean, personally, I, I wouldn't travel there. I, I just wouldn't go there right now. I mean, I've been to Russia, um, but not now. It's not a place I would be going to now. Here's another example of American arrogance. Uh, because there's also another angle on that, too. Like you were mentioning Massachusetts, and I live in Washington, another place where uh, it's legal. But there are people currently in America in a jail with longer sentences for the same thing she's done. So, <laughs> You know, it's kind of calling the kettle black and you the kettle. Yeah, that's right. So it's kind of this circle around back to not that I'm one of the guy that brings us back on target here, but but going back to uh, Mexico and safety, uh, I, I would I would I would sum up my level of safety if I had to rate. You know, if I had to put a number, a one to 10, 10 being the the most dangerous place on earth and one being the safest place on earth, my experience certainly, and once again, I mean, I'm highlighting it, my experience, and I have some, I have a lot of experience doing this kind of thing. So, you know, I'm not, I'm in particular not doing dumb things, but my experience. Are you saying you know what you're talking about? (laughs) <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, my experience in Baja, Mexico, meaning North and South Baja, the two states, I would have to give them a rating of about a two, a two or a three on places. Um, I would say, and, and that's a, you know, if, I really, if, if, I really if, thought you were going to go lower than that. I thought oh, you were going to say a two or one. Uh, are you comparing it to just America, or you mean the whole world com- compared to the whole world? Comparing it to everywhere I've been. Okay. You know, so you know, I, I, you know, and I've been to some interesting places that when I said, but like, but let's compare it to places that I that more people would know. Say, you know, whether Chicago or L.A. or Miami or New York City, um, definitely safer than all of those places. None of none of those places are a two or a three. You know. Um, they're higher for sure. I mean, I wouldn't go walking through neighborhoods in Chicago that I've never been to at 11 o'clock at night. Not, I just wouldn't do that. I mean, I mean and, and Chicago is a, is a good example of, of the point I think we're trying to make. Um, I grew up in Chicago and all the stuff that I hear on the news, I, I know it happens, but I've never seen it. I've never been around it. Uh, 
Chicago that I know is, is a wonderful, beautiful place. But a large part of the reason of that is I know where I belong and where I don't belong and what time I belong and how to act when I'm in places that I don't belong. It doesn't really change. Showing respect, acting right, uh, following the law, and doing what what makes sense. Uh, I think you used you didn't. What did you say? Common sense or um, using your yeah, intuition? You, well, you yeah, your yeah, intuition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't feeling. change from yeah. state to state, city to city, country to country. If you if you have those basic things in your pocket. You're you're about eighty percent on the route on the right route, in my opinion. Well, let's let's answer the let, let me let, let's address like the top five things real quick. One, getting my head chopped off. Two, <laughs> getting kidnapped by the cartel. Three, having my truck stolen at gunpoint and taken away so they can use it. Uh, I mean, those are the ones. That's stuff I hear all the time, right? Um, I say the likelihood of any of those things occurring is extremely small, extremely small. I mean, yes, has there been tourists that have had stuff happen over the years? Google it. Go online right now. Google it. You'll come up with four or five stories. I know. I know all. I've I've done it myself, so I know what they are. Do you know how many people have crossed that border? just this week or in this month or in the last five years? I mean, it's an incredible are, number. I don't know what that number is, but I'm sure it's an incredibly large number. You got a better chance of getting hit by lightning. Right. Right. So my, my word of advice is don't be stupid, be smart. But uh, generally speaking, my experience both in Baja and mainland Mexico and 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 actually, uh, most of Central America, for that matter, has been just as safe as Canada. Um, you know, is it different? Yes, more different than Canada. Language barriers, cultural differences, and those things, I think, are largely what contribute to our feeling of insecurity. And I hate to say it because that turns into it's not you know, it's it's insecurity. It, it basically it turns into you know it, it's it, you know it's it's a, it's like uh, it's like like it's just any other unrealistic fear. It's it's what causes people to be racist and and anti-cultural and anti-country and all this stuff. It's lack of understanding. It's scared because it's different. Ignorance. Ignorance. Yeah. That's right. Lack of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we covered nothing. <laughs> and that was the goal, by the way. So if you ever listen to Phil and I, we try to cover nothing and then talk time. about nothing on top of it for exactly. a long time. <laughs> but hopefully you got something out of it, at least, you know, something, yeah. I hope. I just want to reiterate because uh, we're reaching the end of this podcast, but I, I just want to reiterate if you are going to be crossing some borders, spe especially if you plan on taking a trip to Baja, Mexico. The man that I'm talking to right now is, is the person to talk to. Uh, 
you go as Drive the Globe on social media. You're not hard to find. Um, you give extensive classes. You give more than one class on more than one thing at um, all the Overland Expos. One of those things being, I think you teach two different classes about Baja, don't you? you usually, yeah. I'm on a, a number of panels. There's a couple of us. Um, there's usually, a, you know, three to five to six people that um, at any given expo that are, you know, what I would call current experts, meaning and I, I, I agree with Phil. You, know, you could be an expert on something today and three years from now, you're not an expert on it anymore because it's not recent enough because things change. But, um, you know, there's there's definitely current experts on it. Talk, talk to them about the um the round tables. I've I've gone to many of you, of the round tables over the course of the years. And that's one of the most entertaining, even if I'm not going to that place, it's been entertaining hearing the anecdotal stories, the little tips and stuff. But I want you to go to talk about going to one of these workshops. So if I'm going to Baja, why would I want to go to the workshop? Well, because you get, first of all, if you're already planning on going, you're going to get ideas and hear stuff, um, potential places to go to, uh, places where you can find that pizza. Uh, um, you can, uh, we talk about, you know, security things. You hear other people's questions. One of the, one, that's one, one of the reasons you and I are talking about what we're talking about right now is fresh in my head. Um, not only being at Baja, but also being at two Overland Expos and teaching about Baja, I've got, I know what questions are being asked. I've heard all these questions. So that's kind of why we're addressing a lot of these in this podcast right now, because uh, I've heard them. And, but that's what's fascinating is listening to what other people's concerns are. And then, you know, what was great about the, 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 the round table thing is somebody will say, well, you know, I heard that the cartel is doing so-and-so. And, you know, there were like three of us on the panel. So we're all about to answer it. And then sure enough, somebody else in the audience goes, well, I was just down there, you know, too. And I didn't see any of that. So now they're being answered from what I'm going to call the peer rather than the, the instructor. Right. Which and so and a lot of times peer validation is, is probably even more important because it's a regular person that they feel like they're on the same level with. Um but it was interesting to hear that. And then, you know, even for us up there on a panel, you know, we all, it was, I found it, I was always, uh, I was always a little afraid going on to a panel, particularly when I didn't know the person that I was going to be on there with. Mm. I go, Oh God, I, I really hope I have the same answers or, the, or, you know, when they ask about, is it safe to cross this border? And they, and I go, yes. And they, and they go, no, you know, but as it turns out, we all had the same answers which even more solidifies that we have the same answers because we had the same experiences because we went to the same places and that's the way it really is. It wasn't just a, a you know, aberration that I didn't get robbed at gunpoint six times. It's not that nobody else experienced it either. So, um, you know, that's what makes a panel pretty interesting. And if you're ever, even if you're not considering or wasn't, weren't considering going to there, to that location that the panel's on. Sometimes you get great ideas for other places too. Um, you hear something, you go, oh, that's interesting. I never thought of that. Or, you know, what, what about, well, I was thinking about going to Newfoundland. You know, you know, everything is interchangeable, kind of, sort of. And there's panels on a lot of things. You know, you can, you know, you can go on 
things about Africa and things about Canada and things about Mexico and wherever. Uh, traveling as opposed to tourism is similar no matter where you go because you're going on your own means to explore stuff. And that's the whole idea. You have to kind of lay it out and be like, you got to be a sponge. You got to be a sponge. Most people, especially if they're traveling across borders for the first time, like we discussed, the, the number one thing they're worried about is, is security. Uh, but the other thing I think would probably be maybe number two right up under it is they're trying to figure out what they're going to do when they get wherever they're going to go. And who better to get it from than somebody who just got back and is telling you about it. Um, on, On the trip that I'm on, there's a place that everybody kept telling me to go. This is where you stop to get gas because it's not only a place to get gas. They've got food and blah, 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 blah. Right. It's closed. So, and it's been closed for about a year. So you go to one of these workshops, somebody that just flew in or just drove in or, or was just there a few months ago, the places that they're, they're telling you about, uh, the lady didn't die that owned the restaurant, you know, it, you know it's open. You know uh, whatever they're telling you is up to date. I can make a plan off of what Mike just told me. So... And by the way, I'm going to add one more thing. Do it while you're traveling, too. So it's great to go to workshops and go to Overland Expo or wherever you get your information from. And it's great to go online and read about stuff. But to pick up some of the things we've talked about on some of the other podcasts, there are other places like coffee shops, like the local pub. Like, um, you know, uh, even like farmer, uh, uh, the local equivalent of a farmer's market where you've read about that other nomadic people or overlanders go to. That's great places to go with the express intent potentially of not necessarily getting a great cup of coffee, but that you're going to run into three people that are there that, that drove in on their van and they just came from somewhere and you might be going where they came from and you find out information from them. And they are the experts at this point because they just came from there. And likewise, they're interested in hearing where you came from because they may be going there too. So it's information. I, I, it's the equivalent of in the old days where you had youth hostels and you went to a youth hostel traveling around. I went spent at many youth hostels all over the weird places. It was the best place to get information, particularly before what I would call our modern information age, where now we can just, you know, whatever. But like back in the day, you couldn't do that. So that was the equivalent of Google going to the youth hostel. Well, I'm just going to let you talk about the hostel. I'm married, happily married. Um, I have fond memories of hostels and I'm going to just let it in there. (laughs) Get lots of information. It's all good information. Lots of info. Lots of info. I got some good info when I was in the hostel. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> See, I knew it was going to go off the rails sooner or later. Always goes off the rails. <laughs> um, yeah, that just threw me off. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, it, it, 
Yeah. So Phil and I doing a podcast is a little bit like um, Seinfeld, you know, because it's kind of like we talk about <laughs> nothing going nowhere and it just runs from the next thing to the next thing. And it's pretty soon we'll be talking about the, you know, the soup Nazi or something. But like, this is the way it is. I agree with everything you just said, but I want to be very sincere with this next thing. There is a reason for that. We're all over the place because we're excited about the things we talk about. We don't talk about nothing we don't want to talk about. We, we're we both nomadic to some extent or another in different ways. Uh, and we love it. So that's why we're all over the place. That's why we, we don't follow a, a, an outline or anything like that. We just let it rip on here because we, we enjoy it and we're hoping it either makes you curious and inspires you if you haven't uh, started traveling yet. And if you already are a traveler, uh, it gets you excited about your next trip. And maybe somewhere in there, there's a sprinkle of some tips and information that may help that to happen. At least that's where I'm coming from. Yep. Agreed. Well, guys, is there something you want to say, Mike, before we go? I want to say that I want to see you guys at the next podcast because there'll be another one soon. And if you want to hear something special that Phil and I can just go off the rails on, on put it down in the comments or, or, or message us because uh, we'll be love to talk about it. Well, guys, you know what I'm going to say. Tread lightly, stay safe, and hopefully I'll see you here or on a trail soon. You have been listening to Waypoint Overland's Random Waypoints. Like, subscribe, and stay tuned for more.